Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Because that's where God... So if you have your... Um, Exodus... Chapter 9... And verse, you know, I was I was going to take the journey all the way to the, the chapter, but I'm not going to do that, all right? Um, we're just going to read verses 8 through 12. Um, I may have put all the way to verse 35 on the slide. Did I do that to you, brother? I didn't. I have it right? Well, I do. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I've got everything in sync, it seems like. So... Um, Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 through verse 12. Um, last week, we dealt with um, verses 1 through verse 7. And I learned a lot there and reminded of some sound truths about God's mighty hand, that His hand is sovereign over all things, not mine. And that's a good wake-up call to us all. When we think we have our mighty hand on our lives, Think again, God is, and that's the whole journey of these plagues, is Him to be seen as the God of heaven and earth. You know, a lot of times we're fine with God being the God of heaven, but God, you just stay away from earth. We've got it. Humanity ever done that? Have you ever done that? Maybe a little bit? We like to do that in our flesh, but God is the God of heaven and earth. Can I get a witness? Amen. You all, if you were here... Uh, last week, you remember that message, and I uh, hope you hope pray you took anything home with you last week. It was that truth. All right. Now tonight we sort of have a interesting title. Um, Ouch! I felt that. Ouch! I felt that, and we'll I'll let you into my humor. <laughs> so, but uh, eight through verse twelve, if you will, please. God's word says this, and the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust, and all the land of Egypt and shall be a boil breaking forth with plains upon man, or sores, if you will, uh, upon man. And upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven and it became a boil breaking forth with plains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. 
and hearken not unto them as the Lord has spoken unto us. Let's pray. Father, we need your help tonight. We want to see the truth that's before us. Father, we want to grab a hold of the application for our life. A sermon is not complete. A lesson is not taught until application is made. So, Father, help me uh, to make practical application from these verses. Father, we, we, we need to understand that you are always working to get our attention about the reality of our life, the condition of our souls, the truth about the sin in our life and what it does to us. I pray tonight that we would just be so yielding that you don't have to move your mighty hand to a different level uh, of trying to get a hold of us. But Father, we know that you love us enough that you will go to of the furthest extent uh, to reveal to us the nature of the sin in our life, of disobedience, or also, Father, illuminating our hearts to what obedience does for us, uh, what surrender does for us, um, renewing our mind in the truth of your word, what that does for us. Father, I'm thankful that you're faithful to us. Father, I'm thankful that you're faithful to bring judgment and even punishment to those that, that are just living and bringing wickedness into this world. We know that there are powers, satanic powers in this world. And uh, you will, at the end of the day, honor and glory that lie to you. So, Father, I pray that we are any evil pride in us. I pray tonight we will see the danger of it and that we need to eradicate that evil pride from our lives. So help us to do that. Father, I need you. Guide me tonight. Help us to be um, just soundly uh, heralding the truth that's here. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, has, there, has anyone ever tried to get your attention? Anybody? Your spouse, a friend, somebody? And there was a certain method that just didn't do the trick. And then they resorted to a different method. That resorting to a different method, that method was probably a little more personal. <laughs> you probably maybe it was something you felt. You know, growing up, there were times as, as a kid, you uh, sometimes you would get selective hearing. And your parents would try to get your attention. And you would act as if you didn't hear them. At the end of the day, you heard them. <laughs> loud and clear, uh, not so much because of the intensity of their voice, but the intensity of their methods. <laughs> so, you know, I think we can all relate to that, right, in some, some practical way. And, you know, here in this passage, through these passages, we've been looking through the plagues. And I want us to see here tonight that God has a way of intensifying his methods. Right? Of, because he loves us enough to do that. And he's going to change methods, if he so needs to, to awaken us to the truth that he's trying to help us see in our life. Uh, we know through these plagues, again, that 
God is raging war on the pagan idols of Egypt, right? I mean, again, Egypt is a land of idolatry. Children of Israel has been there. It's rubbing up on them. God needs a people heading to a land that he has set for them, but a people that are not pagan people. People that see God for who he is. Amen? And so that's the purpose, main purpose of all these plagues is to him get honor and glory from Pharaoh and Egypt and to see him as the God over, supreme over any idol and his own children to see that as well and prepare them for a land where they can worship God the right way, to serve God the right way. And so that is what we are continuing in verses 8 through verse 12. All right? So understand this, we are going to witness how God will take the very things, the, I think the very things that people use to advance their idolatry, to advance their unbelief, and use those very things to bring judgment. And God will also show those very things he's supreme over and he can remove. And so we're going to see that played out tonight. So what I want you to see first and foremost is this. Number one, just two, two points, all right, that we have for you. Number one, the purpose of punishment. The purpose of plagues. Um, God is continually to bring it, right? You may think of sometimes, let's just, man, let's just quit all this. You know, let's just, maybe that would be our mentality. You know, he just keeps rejecting, rejecting, rejecting God. And if we were in God's shoes, we'd just say, I'm just, I'm going on to bigger and better things. But that's not God, all right? The purpose of punishment, two things I want you to see, is that God always punishes sin. God cannot deny himself. Would you agree with that? God cannot deny himself. God does not leave sin alone. God deals with sin. He does. He so faithfully does. We see that through the plagues. Each and every one God is bringing because of sin, all right? And we'll talk about the phase that these plagues are in in just a moment. God can never deny himself. We, we remember, you actually didn't go back. You remember when Moses was at the burning bush, and Moses asked a question. He said, who am I to tell these people who you are? Who, who am I to tell? How am I to describe the one who's sending me? It's simply what Moses asked. And what did God say? Tell them, I am that I am. I am is the one who sent you. What does that mean? I want to remind you is that God is, is in a state of being that cannot change. Amen? We live sometimes as if he does change it because we live contrary sometimes to his will. But the truth of the matter is God does not change. His view of sin in the time of Moses is the same as his view of sin today. It doesn't change. He's still against it. He tells us also, he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, he was right when he told Moses to tell him, I am. I am. And it shouldn't really come as a surprise to the children of Israel that God is continuing to bring plagues because he is the unchanging God. Now, there's a, great, a lot of great comfort in the fact that God doesn't change. Amen? Aren't you thankful? You see this great truth in these plagues. 
He's bringing the fact that he doesn't change in a negative sense. There's plagues, but there is positive to the fact that God does not change. You know, those gospel tracks, any gospel track that you've had in this church, you never had to change the plan of salvation. Why? Because God, the God, the author, the architect, and engineer of that plan doesn't change. Amen? You don't have to go and rewrite a gospel track. Why? If the gospel tract says, by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, right? Repent, believe on the gospel. It doesn't change. Why? Because he's the I am. You know, the, the, the God the, of the Bible, the God we're talking about, when you go and you share this fact of who God is, you don't have tomorrow say, hey, I got an addendum for you about the person of God. You need to sort of jot this down and leave it in your Bible because he's changed a little bit. You don't have to make addendums in the Word of God, you know, correcting God's Word about who He is today. God's Word explains God to, the, to, to what we need to know about Him. He doesn't change. I'm thankful that when I, you know, my, my little boy begins to learn things, and when I begin to teach him, Brother Robert, about God, I don't have to change what I told him. I don't have to change tomorrow what I told him today. It's consistent. And let us never be arrogant of the fact that God will ever just understand sin. He's against it. God never created sin. Man brought that into play. And so God is continually uh, to bring punishment. Why? Because he is against it. I am. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't deny the truth about him and his Father and the Holy Spirit. He said, I am the Way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the bread of life, I am the water. Amen? And so the whole trinity doesn't change. And so you are seeing that here again and again. And dear Christian, let it first of all be a warning to you. Amen? About sin in your life. And second, let it be a blessing and bring joy into your heart because the same one that, that saved your soul Keeps your soul. What you've committed to him, he will continue and keep it until he calls you home. He will finish that work. Amen? So I'm thankful for the truth that we are seeing time and time again that God does not change. Now we see God always punishes sin, but whose sin is it? It's yours. Secondly, he's punishing your sin. You're going to find time and time again that God is bringing punishment to Pharaoh because it's Pharaoh's sin. Amen? It's Pharaoh's sin. Anytime he bring, God brings punishment to a nation, it's the nation's sin, right? Anytime he brings punishment to a church, because it's the churches collectively, it's their sin. And so God doesn't punish his sin, he punishes my sin. And that, that's God's position, all right? So remember, all through Pharaoh, he is his, his Pharaoh's heart's being hardened because of his own volition. We find that, that Pharaoh is making his own choices. Egypt will make its own choices. Israel will make its own choices as, as well. God, I want, to, I want you to remember a phrase. God is sovereign, man is responsible. Can we say that together? That's a great, great truth to remember. Ready to begin. God is sovereign, man is responsible. And so that's true. Whether you clearly understand that or not, that's who God is and that's who you are. God's sovereign, you're responsible, and we see that here in this text. The purpose of punishment, God must, because of who he is, 
And the punishment's going to those that have sinned. That's always people. That's always people. Now, secondly, I want you to see this. And this is where we're going to dive into the text a little more deeply. All right? A personal experience. There's the second point. A personal experience. I'm talking about an intimate now experience with the plagues. Now, up till this point, you've seen a lot of these plagues that have been given, right? Most of the plagues you've seen up to this point, it is not so much intimate. We sort of seen a little bit of that last week, but... You know, really now we are seeing God coming in personally. I mean, it's going to affect the body of uh, Pharaoh, the body of the magicians, the bodies of those that are in rebellion, those that are in Egypt. We're not talking about just judgment on the things around them. We're not just talking about judgment that's just sort of indirect, a little bit of sort of around them in their sphere, this judgment we're seeing here is going to be in and on their body. Their body. So notice this, first of all, God seizes their body. God seizes their body. So notice, notice what happens here. So God gives Moses and Aaron. Remember, Moses and Aaron are God's instruments, right? They're vessels for him to bring about the judgments and lead his people out. So notice this next instructions, the plague of boils, okay? So in verse 8, he tells Moses, he tells Aaron, I want you to take the hand, a handful of the ashes in the furnace, all right? I want you to take them, and before Pharaoh, right in front of him, I want Moses, I want you to take those ashes, and I want you to cast them up toward heaven. And what's going to happen, that, those ashes are going to turn to a dust, if you will, and it's going to consume, once again, the place of idolatry. The place and people of idolatry. Okay? So notice, notice what's happening here. He takes the ashes, he throws them up, it becomes changed into dust, and it's going to fill the land. You notice this, that the, 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 same, the same nature of the plague, is the same nature of the sin of the people. What are you talking about? Sin consumes you. That's the nature of it. That's the objective of sin, is to consume your sin. You see, sin, idolatry, has consumed Egypt. It's filled with sin. It's filled with idolatry. And so now, again, this plague, like some others we learned about a week ago, it's consuming the land, but not just the land. It is coming directly in and through the body of these people. Folks, I, I, God is painting for us. And I, and, and I, I, don't, I don't want us to be all to sleep when we talk about sin. Amen? I, I, I want us to be attentive. I want us to be vibrant about this reality that we can get our life into, which is called sin. It is a consuming thing. You know, uh, you get a little bit. You know, you get numb to it, you get a little bit more, and you get a little more numb to it, and you're self-bathing in it. And so understand that's the nature. So God is through the boils that what you're in in this life, this, it's consuming you. And I want you to see that the only one that to consume you is me. It's not idols, it's not anything else, but it should be me. And so we see the, notice what happens here. He does this in front of Pharaoh, he does this in front of, of the magicians as well. Now, 
Let me say this, and I want to go to the magicians for a second. In, in Egypt, there are worshipers and there's leaders of worship, right? In any, any, any kind of religion, there's leadership. And you're going to find that for them to lead their worship, they had to be ceremonial clean. And maybe before they could have, you know, gained a little ground, wiped off the frogs or wiped off some of the things that were stuck to them and tried to, but the boils... It's in them and coming through them. I mean, God brought the idolatry to a halt. And God, did, he, he went to the point of putting something in them to, to push them away from idolatry. Folks, I want you to understand. Again, piggybacking off last week, I'm not even sovereign over my own body. God allows me to make decisions. I can put things in my body. I do have choices I make. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign over my body. Amen. Where, did, where did God place the boils in the people? Could anybody stop what he was doing? No. But God's doing this for a divine purpose that they may see him for who he is. God's doing people a favor. Amen. You know, it's just like, you know, my dad would always tell me this, son, this. I believe it, didn't understand it, didn't understand it, because I didn't like what I felt. Ouch, I felt that, you know. But in truly, he was doing me a favor. God's doing a huge favor. It's painful, but it is a favor nonetheless to help them see that their bodies don't belong in certain places in this life. Don't belong there. Now, what I want you to see here, Pharaoh and the magicians, I mean, their buddies, I mean, they are neck and neck through this whole thing. Haven't you noticed that? Haven't you noticed that? God's seizing their bodies. He's, 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 he's taking over their bodies with the boils. So Pharaoh and the magicians, man, they were this tight, right? Almost like a, almost sort of like a president and a VP. They're just, they're just sort of married. What you find here is an evolution of change in their relationship. What you find is there was, there was a while the magicians create things, but God is now slowly and slowly distancing the magicians and Pharaoh from one another. They're at a point now, as you look and read with me here, that, um, that the magicians in verse 11, notice this, could not stand before Moses. Before this time, Moses and Aaron, they would come, and they would, they would perform this plague, right? They would perform a plague. And then the, and, and Pharaoh would say, hey, where's my magicians? Where, where's my backup? Where, where's the supporter of, 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 of my unbelief? Where's the supporter of my idolatry ways? Where's the one that's, that's going to back me up and validate my idolatry and validate what I'm doing in my leadership of this, of this, of this place called Egypt? Where are they at? Faithfully, every time they would come up to the plate and, and they, would, they would swing for them and they would hit a ball or two, you know, and, and uh, they would seem very impressive. But slowly and slowly, God had to come and touch the bodies where they felt it. And before where they could stand with arrogance and proudly supporting the idolatrous Pharaoh, where do you find them now? It says here that they cannot even stand before Moses and Aaron because of 
the boils that God brought into their bodies. And I did some time thinking about that. What is a magician? They're an illusionist, right? That's what a magician is. And what they were doing this whole time in some form or fashion was bringing illusions, replicas, facts, if you will, of the genuine thing that God was doing. And why do I say this? I say this because there are many either things or people that would love to, to bring an illusion to you that your sin is not really what God says it is. There, there's going to be people that's going to back you in what you're doing. And God says it's not what you should be doing. They'll bring an illusion that, hey, you know, what, look what it's doing for you. Look what, hey, there's some power here. There's some, there's some power here. Just continue your life the way you are. There's an, there's an illusionist out there. And it should, an illusionist, they should never be found in the midst of God's people. We need to be about people of truth, amen? Light in a dark world. But there are some illusionists in this place. The devil, he's a liar and the author of lies, right? He is the chief illusionist. And he would love to cast an illusion for you to make you think that, man, you've got life right where you want it. That, that God says they're mistakes, but man, Satan's really good at persuading you that no, they're not mistakes. They're, that's how you, you know, look, look, your, your boy's happy, your wife's happy, your, your boss is happy, and, and some things you may be doing may be making them happy, but it's not making God happy. But Satan says, oh, let me get this illusion for you so you can continue making people happy. You know, happiness sometimes isn't always indicative of the fact that you're doing something godly. Right? See, happiness sometimes can be an illusion by your own flesh. People will validate those things for you. There's going to be people, listen to me, there's going to be people that's going to validate truth in your life. They're going to be a friend, a true friend, right? Iron shoppeneth iron. The wounds of a friend are precious, right? For you. But there's going to be people. They'll come up and say, listen, let me take that wound that that person over there created in you. They said they were trying to love on you and help you and put you in the right direction. But let me just bandage this wound up for you. And I'll just, I'm a real friend. Over here, there's no wounds like that. You just, you won't have to face any kind of wound like that. You know, I'm, we're just here, we're just all acceptance of everything that you are. The magicians were doing that for Pharaoh. But what has God just done? He has took away the backing of illusions. He's took away and Pharaoh is now standing by himself right you can follow an illusion and those you can keep company with those that bring illusion into your life but at the end of the day listen to me when judgment comes the illusion is wiped away and you see the reality that God's been screaming and maybe bringing something into your life ouch I felt that but then it's too late the last thing I want anybody here to do is live in any kind of illusion. There's truth to be lived in. And it's in living in truth is where you find joy, contentment, peace, and purpose. Real purpose. Notice, judgment removes illusion. But can I tell you tonight that you have, you have a precious church family, you have precious discipleship, 
have this word, you have the Holy Spirit to help guard you from illusion. I think sometimes Christians, again, and honestly, say they're really Christ-like, but sometimes people, they like living in the illusion, right? They like living in the illusion. Folks, we should never have any tolerance for that in our life. Amen? Sometimes I'll watch movies, and, you know, husbands and wives, and it takes work and time and dedication to do this, but should be on the same page of what sin is and what sin is not. What is right before God and what is not. But I've seen sometimes families, There'll be one parent that wants to lead in truth and another one that one has, has nothing to do with it. They believe in illusion. And then just to keep peace, instead of lovingly, graciously, and through the gospel, correcting the illusion in, in the spouse's life or in the home, they just say, you know what? Just, just to not have to deal with that, we're just going to go on with the illusion and just hope everything's going to be okay when life's over. And folks, that is not how works. Amen. God doesn't give truth to shelf it. God gives truth that we that it may be imputed in our hearts and minds that we can remove the fog of illusion and enter into truth. Your marriage, your your role as a mom or dad, your role as an employer, whoever you are where you are, live in truth. There'll be a time God will remove the illusions and those that create them for you. So understand this. There are some magicians in your life. There are some illusion creators, keepers, and supporters. But notice this. They will leave you by your judgment of God. And they will. Every time. Every time. Now I want you to see this lastly. And this, folks, this is such a sad moment right here. Don't miss this. Letter B, we see that God seizes the bodies of these people with the boils. But now God is going to seize Pharaoh's heart. Notice. Notice what it says in verse 12. All right? Magicians, <laughs> they, they vanished. No pun. They've disappeared. They've abracadabra. They're gone. As quick as they were there, they're gone. Verse 12. And the Lord hardened. The heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. You do find up to this point, we find Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now we're at a point where God promised he would, this would come to be because God, he knows all things. Amen. And now we find the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. All up to this point, Pharaoh has willingly, voluntarily, willfully objected God. He's willfully hardened his own heart. And there comes a point, dear friend, where there is a perpetual cycle of voluntarily and willfully hardening of my heart against God that there could be brought in a judicial hardening of a heart. And God has every right to do that. Amen? Folks, that is a sad place to be. Amen? There's where Pharaoh's at right here. And time and time again, and here's the, here's the awesome thing about God. Even though God knew what was going to be and what Pharaoh was going to be, and there would be a time that he would, he would because 
of response to his willful objection all to this point. Now he's judicially hardening his heart. But you know what? He continued to give moments of repentance. He continued to let it, give him time and time and time again. And he's screaming to Egypt, I am God of all things. I am supreme. And so God's even merciful to even someone that he knows that's going to come to this point. No one deserves it. Amen? Especially Pharaoh. But God continues, and he continues to do that. Show some, to show, you know, mercy and uh, time. For, but we see here, God is now judicially hardening Pharaoh's heart. God is doing this. He's giving him over to what his heart really wants. And can I ask you a real easy question? What does Pharaoh want? More than anything in the world, himself. And you know what God can do, and he is the one that, that has the authority to draw that line, that point when this, this transition happens. We find that, that Pharaoh now, that's what he gets. His own self. But you know what you have? When someone continues to object and object and object the calling of God to repentance, and you know, they reject the God of the Bible, there comes a point that God now brings you to a point where there is no way out of you just having you and you alone. That's a sad place because you know what happens if you only have you? You have death. You, 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 have, you have no hope of heaven. Pharaoh now is going to go forward as we find, and you won't see real repentance. You won't see him ever coming to that point. Because now, as the old saying is, if you make your bed, you lay in it. You say, God's not being fair. God's not being... Do we want fair? Do we want, do we want fair? No, I don't want God to be fair with me. I want, I want to be to show me mercy. God was showing mercy. God was giving all that, but you know, Pharaoh was just continually and God says, okay, here we are. You're cut off. You're hardened. Here's your life. You can have it. You know what Pharaoh did? Probably he kept enjoying his life. He continued to enjoy his life. But I'm telling you, life is short. Eternity is forever. And what you enjoy here with just your life Folks, what that brings in eternity is nothing that you will enjoy. It is a place of torment and punishment forever. And folks, I just, I just want to encourage you. There are some people that need to be prayed for today. I don't want anybody to be here. Amen? I don't want them to be here at this point. But God can allow this to happen in someone's life because He's God. He gives time and opportunity, and then He can draw the line. He can seal that position up in their heart left to yourself. And there's where Pharaoh is. Wouldn't it be a sad place to be? Can you imagine being in that position? Continue and continue and continue. And now, because of willful hardness, he is now judicially hardened. And there's no way out for Pharaoh. So here's the thing. If men shut their eyes against the light, God will just say, you can keep your eyes shut from here on out. That's what God allows to do. So, folks, tonight, there's somebody in your life that you know is lost. Give them the gospel. Keep pleading with them. Keep reaching them. Here tonight, for you, 
If you're not saved, my dear goodness, if God is calling you and draw, would you surrender to the Lord? And tonight, may I address the Christian as we conclude. One thing that I want you not to do as you go into life is continuing thinking that living in any kind of illusion is going to benefit you. Living in any illusion is going to benefit your marriage and benefit your walk with God. I want to encourage you by the power of the Spirit. See, has, is, there, is there things in your life that God's given you that you are giving up to God and using in a way that God wants you to use them? Even the smallest of things. Are they surrendered to God? Or are you living in an illusion that, okay, I'm using this, what God's given me this way, and, you know, I think I'm doing okay with it. But are you pleasing God with it? To the smallest of provisions that He's given you. Satan wants you to live in illusion. And God is crying out for you to live in truth. And what tonight, what is it about your life tonight that you need the fog cleared? Or maybe God's been doing that for you. In some area of your life, you've been living and just, just, just going, in, going in the fog and just being satisfied with it. Maybe God tonight has been revealing to you that here's what the fog's clearing up. Here's where you could be. Here's where I'd love for you to be. Canaan land is where he wanted his children to be, right? The land of God's perfect will and the milk and honey and, and you know, you know God's where God wants you to be. There's always that place. But Satan's going to come and fog over the path there. And you may say, I'm just at a point now where there's no path to that. Yes, there is, and God has the path. But I'm just saying, be on your knees. I say, God, clear the fog. God, clear the fog. God, remove the illusion. Help me, Father, to separate myself from those friends that I call friends. The thing that I will get away from those blinding my eyes to where I need to be in my walk with you. Christians are light. Can I get a witness? We're not a fog. We're not to live in fog. We live in light. And light expels darkness. But you've probably got some people. You've probably got some things. You've probably got some habits. Something or someone is fogging up your life. And I'm telling you, it's hard to see in the fog. It's hard to drive in the fog. Amen? you got to slow way down. Sometimes you just got to stop. But, the, the, but the, the, the pattern of the Christian is to not stop, but to keep going. What do you need tonight clarity on? Maybe that's the question to leave with you. God can give it to you. The Bible says if you like wisdom, do what, church? Ask. And the God of all wisdom will give it to you liberally. And so tonight, I don't know where you stand, where you're at in your Christian life. But as God's dealing with you, we want to give an invitation. We want to ask Sister Arb for the mic to come, if you would, prepare a song. As we all stand to our feet for just a moment, for just a few moments, as they come, prepare a song for us. How is God dealing with your life? I may add this as well. The worst decision you'll ever make, the worst decision, if you're lost, is this. Continuing to willfully object God. And it's also the worst decision a child of God can make. Because you are living outside of the blessings of God. So tonight, what's our page number, brother? 377. 377.